This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. This is Latino USA, the radio journal of news and cultura. It's Latino USA. It's Latino Welcome USA. to Latino USA. I'm Maria Hinojosa. We bring you stories that are underreported, but that matter to you, overlooked by the rest of the media. And while the country is struggling to deal with these problems, we listen to the stories of Black and Latino students. A united Latino front. A cultural renaissance. Organizing at the forefront of the movement. I'm Maria Hinojosa. No se vayan. Hi, listener. I am Patricia Sulbaran, and as a producer for Latino USA, I gather tape and write the scripts that later turn into the stories you listen to on air. Thank you for your support, and happy 30th anniversary, Latino USA. Hey, Latino USA listener, here's a show from our archives. From Futuro Media and PRX, it's Latino USA. I'm Maria Hinojosa. Today, a Texas student dreams of graduating, but as a student who's also a migrant farm worker, he faces unexpected obstacles in reaching that goal. Junior year, I wouldn't really like worry about it because I'll be like, nah, I can make it up next year. I still have time to fix it, but this is my senior year. It's going to be pretty hard because if I, if I end up failing, like, it's going to affect me a lot. I, I want to graduate and, like, I don't want to be, in, like, in quarantine or anything like that. So I want it to be, like, everybody else. When there's a lot of people and, like, when I get off the stage, like, I see my mom and everybody there. And they tell me, oh, good job. You heard from a young man in Texas named Reyes. He's a high school student and also a migrant farm worker. Since he was nine years old, he's left school almost every year in the spring to do farm work in Michigan over the summer and into early fall. More than 300,000 farm workers in the U.S. are students like Reyes. Because agriculture is exempt from regulations that establish things like minimum wage, and age limits, children can legally work in the fields starting at the age of 12, and sometimes even younger, if they're working on a family farm. And for those students, balancing schoolwork and the financial needs of a family is often challenging. And of course, now COVID-19 has thrown an extra wrench into things. This past spring, as Reyes entered his last semester of his senior year of high school and worked towards graduating, reporters Karen Coates and Valeria Fernandez have been following him, documenting the ups and downs along the way. But first, they actually take us back to when they met Reyes way back in 2018. Just a note, listeners, we won't be using some people's last names in this story because of their immigration status or their family status. Valeria tells us the story. 
Edinburgh, Texas is a small city just north of the U.S.-Mexico border. The city sits on the outskirts of McAllen, in the Rio Grande Valley, and the land here is wide and flat. It's October and sugarcane season, and the fields are full of workers. Among the farm fields and new housing developments sits Edinburgh High School. It's a sprawling campus of 2,500 students. And inside the school, in a conference room with no windows, a group of eight young people gather around folding tables. Everyone here has one thing in common. While other kids spend their summer vacations going to camp or at the community pool, these students migrated north to work in agricultural fields. <laughs> okay, um, who wants to go first, you or you? And they are all members or former members of the Migrant Student Club at Edinburgh High. They gathered today to share their stories. My name is David, and um, I'm 17 right now. I'm about to turn 18 on Sunday. Oh. Happy birthday! <laughs> Thank you. David is a smiley young man with shaved hair on the sides. And he tells the room about his summer working in Michigan's blueberry and strawberry fields. I'd wake up 4, 5, 6 in the morning and, okay, let's go. Make yourself a taco because that's all the time that we have for. And so we'd go out and it's long and it's hard. I mean, to stick your hand inside the bushes, you'd have to wear long sleeve, maybe a double long sleeve because you rip your shirt, you rip your skin, you know. He said he thought he was a pretty quick worker until he met other migrant workers. I thought I was really, really fast. You know, I was like, you know what, like, I'm, I'm a young guy. I'm going to be able to be, like, really, really fast at this. You know, like, these old guys got nothing on me. I'd finish one bucket and the guy next to me finished all six. <laughs> right next to David is Leslie, and she's a former student. My parents have been migrant workers all my life. I was two months old when they first started migrating to Iowa. She actually graduated in 2006 and went on to become a nurse. But she talks about how going to class as a migrant farm worker was a struggle, especially switching between her school in Texas and her school in Iowa. I felt so out of place because I, these weren't my friends. It wasn't the people I was used to. I, was, I mean, everybody looked at me like, what are you doing here? You don't belong with us. It's hard. It's very difficult to go back and forth. You can't take the same classes. You, you're never with the same people. It was hard. Uh, just my name? Yeah. Ramon, a young man in a red T-shirt, is on the other side of the table. He chimes in. I'm one of seven. The younger one's right there. This is my mother. Many of the students or former students came here today with their mothers. They wanted to give us a full picture of what being in a migrant worker family is like. And we've been going up to work for a good while, like a family tradition. Once you turn 13, my grandfather would take you and well, our mother would join us. And they would take us up and we'd go work in Minnesota, North Dakota. But since I was a little bit on the shorter side, I had to wait till I was 13. And then when I was 13, then I was able to join them. He still remembers his very first year starting out in Fargo, North Dakota, when he realized the farmer didn't use pesticides. And I thought that was cool until I realized that that meant like all the weeds and all the, like everything that didn't belong there, we had to take out by ourselves. So, that was a tough year to have as the first year because that year alone, the farmers like, all of the weeds must go. And since I was really new, I didn't know what was weed or what was not weed. As they keep talking, the discussion is lively and there's a lot of chit chat. You know, we'd get half an hour of lunch and 
put pizza in a, in a foil, put it out on the dashboard, and hopefully it's warm enough so you can eat it for lunch. Oh, you, got, you want to go to the movies? I'm like, you know what, maybe, maybe not. Because I, I know what the value of this dollar was, and I don't want to just spend it to sit down for no reason. <laughs> I'll wait till it comes out on DVD. One time uh, a snake came out, and I took it out. I mean, I wasn't scared of it. I would get it with the hand. Like, frogs would come out, rats. But there's one student this whole time who has been pretty quiet. He has on a gray baseball cap, and on his face, you can see the shadow of his first mustache. As he begins to talk, we're struck by his seriousness. The spirit gets the, the smell is very like strong. Sometimes it sticks on the clothes, like it doesn't take off sometimes. Reyes is 16, and he has been working in Michigan for seven years. And last time I had this bag that was dirty. And when I came back with it, like all the stench like smelled. I remember now the, the asparagus that we were picking and this and that, like the days. Sitting right by his side and listening closely is his mom, Maria Magdalena. And she begins talking. Maria Magdalena first went to work in Michigan in 2011 with Reyes and her husband. She says the experience was beautiful, but hard. Nosotros trabajamos el espárrago, trabajamos el, el frijol, trabajamos la papa y trabajamos el, el maíz. They work with asparagus, beans, potatoes, and corn. She ended up only working in the fields that one year. Maria Magdalena doesn't have papers, and so she was worried about being stopped and deported if she migrated north again. But she says her son Reyes has still been going. And as she mentions him, she's overcome with emotion. Maria Magdalena says Reyes decided to continue to work with other relatives in the fields when she couldn't go. He told her, Mom, I want to go so I can help you. She said, are you sure? And he said yes. So she gave him permission to do it. Maria Magdalena says Reyes has helped out a lot by paying household bills. And he pays for all of his own clothes, his shoes. And yet, she knows it's difficult work. And there are times she doesn't really want him to go back. And so this year, she told him, you won't go to the fields. Hearing his mom speak opens up some old wounds for Reyes. I started working when I was nine with my parents, like she had said. And at first, when I was small, it, um, it was hard for me because I was nine years old in the field. Like, I didn't know what I was doing. He says he felt alone without his mom, and he was bullied by other kids. The first year, I suffered a lot, but I didn't tell my mom. I didn't want her to worry. So I was like, no, it's, I'm not going to tell her. They used to tell me, because I was slow my first year. He used to tell me names. He used to tell me, you can't do this. Just quit. I suffered a lot, but I was like, you know what? I need to help my family, like, move on. Because if I don't do it, who is going to do it? My co-reporter, Karen, has one last question for Reyes. 
Do you have a message to people who are sort of disconnected from the foods that they're buying well, that you're working with? Just try not to judge the people that are doing your like your food. Because sometimes I would go to stores and they'll look at me like weird and I'll be like, oh, well, I just came out of work. What do you expect? Um, I know I'm dirty and all that, but uh, sometimes we'll eat in restaurants. They'll sit us like in a different place, but we'll be like, eh, well, it's fine. We get it, we're dirty, but like just try to be a little more gentle. This whole time as we've been talking, there is a man sitting off to the side on a folding chair in the corner. He's been listening to all these stories, occasionally jumping in with a few details of his own. What they've gone through, the experience is still some of those things that I experienced in my life. And I can identify with them 100%. This is Roberto Garcia, the Edinburgh High Migrant Student Counselor. Like many of the students here, he also grew up in the Edinburgh area, and as a kid, he remembers summers piling into a big truck to go work in the fields with his family. My mother was pregnant with child, and they would literally have to pull over a couple of times where my mother would deliver a child, help other, with the assistance of other ladies. Uh, and then two or three hours later, they would put him back on the, on the truck and go on, like the grapes of wrath. That type, that type of setting, when I saw and read the book, it reminded me of my own family as I was reading that book. His mother had 21 children in all. Roberto was the 18th. And he credits his mom's strength for a lot. She, what, what a life for this lady. And in seeing her have so many children and the life that she went through, she had, so on and so forth, really inspired me to want to try to break away from that type of that cycle and teach others as well how we can break away from that migrant life cycle. He went on to become the first in his family to graduate from high school and get multiple degrees. And now he's part of the National Migrant Education Program, which has supported migrant students across the country since 1966. Roberto works with over 100 students, and he's essentially their cheerleader. I was not the smartest cookie. I had to study three times harder than than the other kids, but I, I was determined. So if I, if I did it, you can do it. You can do it. You can do it. Migrant students have disruptive schedules. They often leave school in early spring and come back in late fall, which means they miss out on stuff, like school dances or joining a sports team. So Roberto started the Migrant Student Club as a way for these kids to connect with each other. And he keeps a close eye on them, If they stop coming to school, he'll visit their homes to bring them back. But one of his biggest roles is helping migrant students navigate two school systems, the one where they work and the one where they live in Texas. I'll tell them, uh, you know, Juan, when you get to uh, Roanoke, uh, Indiana, I want for the counselor or the principal or whoever to call me because you need to be in these classes. Well, when they get there, they don't put them in those classes and the students lose credit. Migrant students can actually take classes in the towns where they are working, but they don't always enroll or the schools don't offer the same classes. This year I left, I left early and they didn't want to give me four credits of mine. I, w I went to school over there and they didn't have most of the classes that I have here, so they didn't give me a grade for it. For example, Reyes tells us he left school early in May and returned in September. By then he had missed so much class 
that while he was supposed to be a junior, he didn't technically have enough credits. And so when Reyes returned that year from Michigan, he went looking for Roberto for help. When I came, like a few weeks afterwards, he's like, I got good news. And I was like, what happened, sir? And he's like, I just got you your credits back. It wasn't quite that easy. Roberto had to put him in a special program to make up the classwork he missed. And Reyes had to do some extra work at home. But in the end, he was allowed to become a junior. And you just keep pushing, keep pushing, and make it and get all your credit so you can be a senior. I was like, thank you, sir. I appreciate it very much. This time around, Roberto was able to help Reyes. In Reyes' school district, only 71% of migrant students who started in the ninth grade made it all the way to graduation in 2017. That's a lower rate than some students who live under the poverty line. So we wanted to follow Reyes into his final year of high school. It's a year that is intense for any student, but in particular for Reyes, who has the added pressure of working and taking care of his family. Like, I want to help my grandpa. I want to get my mom a better house, too. I'm trying to help all, all of my family. When we started to check on him over a year later, one thing was clear. I want a better life than this. Like, I don't want to be doing this for the rest of my life. Coming up on Latino USA, we fast forward in time and check back in with Reyes over one year later. Stay with us, no te vayas. Support for Latino USA comes from Odoo. If you feel like you're wasting time and money with your current business software or just want to know what you could be missing, then you need to join the millions of other users who switched to Odoo. Odoo is the affordable, all-in-one management software with a library of fully integrated business applications that help you get more done in less time for a fraction of the price. To learn more, visit odoo.com slash latino. That's O-D-O-O dot com slash latino. Odoo. Modern management made simple. My name is Flor. I'm in Houston, Texas. I'm originally from Mexico. I've been in the U.S. for 30 years, as long as Latino USA has been on air. The first time I listened to Latino USA was in 2018. It was a diary of an undesirable, and the whole story was just amazing. I'm very grateful to have a program that gives light to our history. I love the pronunciation in correct Spanish. Estoy orgullosa de los logros de mi gente. Congratulations to everyone. And we're back. It's now 2020 and Reyes is closing in on his goal of graduating. He just started the last semester of his senior year. Reporters Karen Coates and Valeria Fernandez have been following him. And Valeria continues with the story now. It's been about a year and a half since we last saw Reyes. We've been keeping in touch by phone and text. He's now 17. Bien, how are you doing? And we call him in February. We want to see what he's up to and what's on his mind. Oh, today we, oh, we went to, on a field trip to go see a college and school. Reyes went to Texas State Technical College, a community college nearby. Yeah, they have a, a class there that's uh, inside and they teach all hands-on welding. 
Hey, all you do is just weld like inside the the place, so you don't have to be like in the heat. He's thinking maybe about going into welding or fixing engines or even building airplanes. Since I've been like used to the field, I'm like used to working with my hands. They said that I can get a job here in the airport, in the airport there in Harlingen. Like I could even get a job there and they would be paying up to like $35 an hour. We ask him about how his family is doing and he brings up his grandpa. When Reyes has money, it's his grandpa he likes to spend it on. He likes going a lot to like the buffet. And I tell him like, if you want, we can go, we can go to eat today. And, and then he's like, are you sure? He's like, tell, but like, you better not be lying. I was like, yeah, I'll take you today. His grandpa is the one who has been encouraging him to look at college classes. He's always like worries about me. Even though sometimes he does get like a little bit grouchy. He does worry a lot about me and a lot about my cousins because he wants the best for us. He's always giving us advice. And he's always telling me like, just, he's like, you're going to make it like for me when I know you are. Because you've been a hardworking kid since you were small. But there's still a ways to go to graduation. A few weeks later, we call up his counselor, Roberto, to ask how Reyes is doing in school. Reyes is it really disappointed me as far as his, um, his um, grades. He tells us lately he has watched Reyes' grades sleep, and he's worried. Towards the end of last semester, I had some complaints from some teachers, and he was just, like, giving up. And I called him in, and uh, we talked about it, and he said that it was just, He was getting senioritis. He was worried enough that he arranged some help for Reyes. So in terms of that, I had to put him in a special class for migrant kids. And he's having to make up some of the work there because of his last semester's grade. Reyes started doing extra work and catching up. But then, all of a sudden, things get much harder for Reyes and all students. Just a few days later, the coronavirus hits Texas. On March 17, Hidalgo County, which includes the city of Edinburgh, declares a state of emergency. We called Reyes' mother, Maria Magdalena, to see how they're doing. She tells us she was planning to go sell a few things at the flea market over the weekend to make extra money, but it shut down. And she has a part-time job at a bakery, but that shut down too. Maria Magdalena says there are shortages in the stores of things like eggs, chicken, and toilet paper. And she says she's worried about paying their mortgage. Maria Magdalena told her husband that they need all the help they can get from God. The bills don't wait, she says. You may stop working, but the bills don't stop. But even in the middle of this pandemic and the obstacles it brings, she says it's Reyes she's thinking about. That he'll graduate and be able to go in the career that he wants. After talking to his mom, we want to check in with Reyes, too. Can you hear us? Hi, Reyes. Yeah. How are you doing? Hey, good, good. 
He says the Edinburgh Unified School District has announced that they will close until further notice due to COVID-19. He had been catching up on school in the special class Roberto put him in before the pandemic. And when we talk, he seems concerned that all the work he's put into raise his grades could be lost. Is this making you angry? Uh, not really angry. It's just that it makes me like a little bit worried, like, because I do want to graduate, like, with my whole class. Like, I wouldn't want to be like the one kid that, like, everybody's do walking on top, and I'm over here still trying to graduate. Like, I wouldn't want to do that. I've been trying to pass my classes with like 80s and 90s and I've been doing good. And then for this to like backfire on me, I can't call or I can't text the teacher because like I don't know their number or anything like that. You get me? And in this moment when his family is tight on money, he says he wishes he took a job at Walmart. They're getting paid a lot. And now that I think about it, I should have gotten a job there. <laughs> like to help out my parents just in case they needed help with anything. Helping students like him cope with financial pressures outside of school is exactly why the National Migrant Education Program was created in the first place. But it's around this time in March that we also find out that the program that supports students like Reyes will be seriously cut back in fall. We did get some bad news uh, from the state. Our budget in the state of Texas, in migrant ed, is going to be cut one-third. Roberto is the one who tells us about this. So there's going to be a lot less monies and possibly a lot less uh, migrant personnel. It's from the national level. We asked Roberto, what does that mean for students next year? Very simple. There'll be less resources for them in terms of supplemental help, supplies, clothing, college tours, a parent meeting, it's going to be even less of an opportunity for the migrant student to get that additional help. By early April, remote learning has been going on for a few weeks, and Roberto says it has been difficult for many of his students. Oh, hey. Can you hear us? Okay, well, I can hear I can hear the three of you, and me, it's four. So there's four of us on the line. So he calls Reyes to check in on him to talk about what he needs to finish in order to graduate. Like, I'll get on the computer for like an hour a day, uh, an hour or two, and just try to finish as much as I can. Because of the coronavirus, Roberto says some of his students are not finishing all the credits they need. And so sometimes he's guiding them to finish a more basic diploma than they had planned. It's a strategy the school has turned to since the pandemic. Your credits that you need to take. And as a matter of fact, I had Ms. Johnson calling me right now. You all hold on, okay? And while Reyes is on the line, Roberto actually gets a call from another counselor, Mrs. Johnson. He puts her on a speakerphone. Okay. Uh, Reyes, uh, how many credits has he completed? I just hold on, I just got off that phone. They talk for a while about Reyes and look at his classwork. As, as, as counselors, I think that would be the best bet to advise the young man and not have to carry on more classes than what he needs right now. Yeah, that's good. Okay, hold on. Reyes? Yes. Okay, Reyes, uh, did you hear Ms. Johnson, what she's saying? That uh, it's best um, for us to leave you in the 22-credit one because that's going to accept you into TSCC anyway. They talk for a while about Reyes and look at his classwork. And then Roberto tells Reyes they have figured out that if he can just finish the rest of his current classwork, he can get a diploma. 
It won't be necessarily enough to get him into a four-year university, but it will let him study welding or engine mechanics at a technical college, like Texas State Community College. All that they require, again, is just that a 22-credit foundation program. Okay, so you're okay. Don't, don't get stressed. You, you're going to be okay. Okay? All right. Si me entiendes. Then Reyes asked Roberto about graduation. He wants to know, if he graduates, will the ceremony even happen? It, it, may, it may happen, Reyes. Don't get discouraged, son. Like graduation, like the walk, my mom was expecting for me like to walk. So like, hopefully they do do a graduation. Because like my mom, she's the one that I wanted to do it for anyway. At the end of the call, Roberto asked about Reyes' plan for the summer. He had mentioned Corpus Christi, which is 150 miles away. You're thinking about maybe going to Corpus. What kind of work are you going to be doing over there, son? Electricity. Electrical work over there. Okay, so, and nothing with migrants. No, no agriculture. Uh, no, but I might go to Michigan again. Okay. I don't know yet. Michigan means working in the fields again. I just woke up today, and it is Thursday. For the rest of the month of April, we don't hear much from Reyes. It turns out he got a full-time 9-to-5 job as a mechanic apprentice at a car shop. But he does send us a few voice recordings. Hopefully we don't have to do that much today. <sighs> just a couple of cars. I just got home, and I'm about to eat. My mom made some food. I just went to the daughter right now. It was pretty packed. The virus thing is still going on, I guess. I just finished uh, like two or three of my assignments and I'm gonna go take a shower right now. I gotta work in the morning. We do hear from Roberto in May, who tells us Reyes has been a little difficult to reach. He's so close, he says. Just a few days of work and he'll be done. Hello, hello. Hello. Hey, Reyes, how are you doing, Nico? Doing good, sir. In late May, the last week of Reyes' senior year, Roberto gives Reyes a call with some important news. He tells him graduation will happen in person with social distancing measures later in the summer. And then... Okay, well, guess what? You are fully certified and with all the requirements to graduate. So congratulations. Thank you, sir. Thank you. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Thank you, sir. I'm yes. done. I'm so proud. You're done. How does, how does that feel? Good, sir. Finally. He tells Roberto, now I don't have to struggle anymore. Is your mama there? Is she, she hugging you? Yeah. She's happy for, she's happy for you, right? And then his mom gets on the line. She says she asked God to help her son graduate and that it will be her proudest moment to see him walk. She says she loves him and she's so proud of him. Reyes tell her he loves her too, 
He jokingly says that she won't have to grapple with him about school anymore. She no longer has to worry, he says. Now he can really make money. And he says he's so grateful to have her as his mother. Aquí vamos para el camino con mi mamá, preparándonos y alistándonos para la graduación de mi hijo y para ir a tomar fotos con su abuela. It's graduation day. Maria Magdalena films on her phone as she gets in her car with Reyes and his grandma to head to Edinburgh High School. She says she'd been longing for this day to arrive. The 600 students are all several feet apart. There is no hugging or touching, and each student wears a mask. Reyes is much taller than when we first met him, And today, he's wearing his regalia and a green and yellow cord that all the migrant students wear. And join me as we move our tassels from right to left to signify that we are now official high school graduates. Baca! Two, three, four. In just a few days, Regis will be gone already, off to Louisiana for a new summer job in construction. His plan is to save money for his family and to go to college in the fall. Which means he'll be away from his family again. It's the irony, the tragedy of migrant work. People often take these exhausting, arduous jobs to help their families. And yet, the work often keeps them hundreds and thousands of miles away from the very people they're working for. One day, when he has the time and money, and his mom finally has her immigration papers, Reyes has a dream. I'd like take her upstate and let her see Michigan again, or like not to go work, but to go see it as like Michigan as it is. When she went before, she was too busy working in the asparagus fields to stop for a moment to notice the trees, the birds, the scenery. And he was working too. So they never had a summer vacation. Of course, like when you're working, you don't really get to see it that much, but if you if you're there to visit, it's a really beautiful place. He wants to go north again, but this time, he wants them to go together. Our thanks to Reyes, his family, and to his counselor, Roberto Garcia. Since reporting this story, Reyes is back from working in Louisiana. He says at the end of August, he plans to go to Wisconsin to work in the potato fields. He wants to save enough money to attend college and later open up his own family business. episode was produced by Karen Coates and Valeria Fernandez. It was edited by Sofia Palizaca and Antonia Cerejido. It was mixed by Stephanie LeBeau and Julia Caruso. The Latino USA team includes 
Andrea López Cruzado, Marta Martínez, Mike Sargent, Daisy Contreras, Victoria Estrada, Reinaldo Leaños Jr., Patricia Zulbarán, and Elizabeth Lowenthal Torres. Our editorial director is Fernanda Santos. Our associate engineers are Gabriela Baez and JJ Carubin. Our marketing manager is Luis Luna. Our theme music was composed by Zenia Rubinos. I'm your host and executive producer, Maria Hinojosa. Join us on our next episode. You can also find us on your social media. And I say, no te vayas. Ciao. Latino USA is made possible in part by Public Welfare Foundation. Catalyzing transformative approaches to justice that are community-led, restorative, and racially just. The Ford Foundation. Working with visionaries on the front lines of social change worldwide. And the John D. and Catherine T. MacArthur Foundation.